Hi, it's Ali here. The reading for today is taken from Isaiah 45, verses 1 to 7. Isaiah 45, verse 1 to 7. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armour, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the the God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honour, though you do not acknowledge me. I am the Lord, there is no other. Apart from me there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. It's one of my favourite places in the Bible. It's highlighted in my old Bible. I love this idea of God God's great rescue through his anointed one. I don't know what you think of when you think of anointed, but in my mind, when I look at someone who's anointed, it's generally someone who's working in ministry or someone who's so gifted at what they do. You think this person's been made to be a teacher or a midwife or in management. Someone who leads either in the secular word or in the in the church world with with vigor and imagination they are anointed to lead but everyone who i look at like that and give those labels to they're all christian they all follow jesus so who's cyrus cyrus is a persian king but in order to get that in context we need to step back a step further what is happening in this time Where are Israel finding themselves? Actually, they're in exile. It's the second exile. They're in Babylon. Jerusalem has been shattered. It's the time of Daniel, of Radrach, Meshach and Abednego. It's before Nehemiah and Ezra. The people of Israel are sat by rivers, weeping for Jerusalem. And Babylon is a huge empire. God's anointed does not come from his people. God's anointed does not come from Israel. God anoints the other, the outsider. In fact, I'd go as far to say God anoints the enemy. Yes, Israel are sat in ashes in Babylon, but they might as well be sat in ashes in Persia. They're not home. This Persian king is not for them. 
Persian king is against the Babylonians. And yet God says, this is my anointed, whose right hand I take hold of. Let's see what he promises to this Persian king. I will subdue nations before you. I will strip kings of their honour. I will open doors for you. I will level mountains for you. I will break down gates and cut through bars of iron. And that's only in the first two verses. God promises to do all this to someone who is not his own. This God is saying, yes, I'm a God. I'm Israel's God. I'm a God of Israel the God of Jacob. But Israel does not own me. Jacob does not own me. I'm not so small that I just belong to them. The whole world is God's and he can speak and choose and take the hand of anyone he wants to. Whatever their faith or their background It's amazing to think that in Alberton we live amongst so many people who are so different and the God that we believe in could take the hand of any of them to spare us. The God that we believe in is not so small that he can't speak to someone who does not acknowledge him. We have a God who is not limited by faith. He is not the Christian God. He is God. And he speaks to whomever he chooses. How utterly awesome. How incredible. God is working his wonders through the world. Occasionally he uses the church. But he is not limited to us. Why does God do all of this? In verse 4 it says, For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen. He says to Cyrus, I summon you by name and I give you honour, even though you don't acknowledge me. It's funny, for God to do his own thing, he doesn't need us to acknowledge him. He will use whoever he wants. I, the Lord, there is no other. I will strengthen you, though you've not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I'm the Lord and there is no other. He says it twice, he's reaffirming. I am the God of everything that was and everything that is and everything that is to come, not just everything we put in the Christian pocket. What an awesome God we serve. He doesn't need us, but he loves to use us. He's not limited by our imagination. He's not limited by our skill. He's not limited by our knowledge. We must constantly be living, expecting to be surprised by his grace and his wonder workingness. I am the Lord and there is no other. The other thing that surprises me or excites me in this passage really comes from verse 2 and verse 3. 
I will break down the gates of bronze and I will cut through the bars of iron and I will give you treasure of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. As you will know, lockdown in London has strengthened. We are now on high alert, whatever that means. But it does mean that we can't stay in each other's homes anymore. It means that the church is still fighting to stay open. It means that our freedom is curtailed. And it means that unlike the first lockdown, we are in winter. So before we were locked down, we couldn't go out, but the sun was shining. And we went for a walk, we felt warm. Now we're in lockdown and we're in winter. And it is dark. It's dark later in the morning and earlier in the evening. Harvest has been and gone without us noticing. Remembrance is next on the list. And Christmas is looking very worrisome. We are in darkness. And yet God promises us, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places. So it feels at this time there's two ways of praying. One, as the Israelites were praying in this passage, God rescue us, redeem us, use whoever you need to use by whatever means that you need you mean you need to use. By doctors who don't know you, we know that you are working through them. And nurses who don't know you, we know that you are working through them. The second thing we pray is, Father, show us the treasures of darkness. Because you are God of all the earth, which means that even in darkness you will feed us. Riches stored in secret places. Lastly, before I got priested in Birmingham, we had to go on a week silent retreat. Um, I am not good with silence. I am not good with the whole consider in quiet how very big God is now. I just, I just, my brain goes everywhere. I can't concentrate and I can't think straight. I have to talk. Whenever I'm thinking, I'm talking. If I'm not thinking, if I'm not talking, then I'm either listening or I'm dozing. I'm not very good at thinking in my head. So we've got a week where we get a Bible story, my brain gets all excited and then I can't talk about it because I've got to be silent. So I started painting. I'm rubbish at painting, but I started painting in order to try and get out all of the stuff that was running around my head. The Bible story that we used for the retreat was 1 Kings 17. And it's the story of Elijah. Whenever he has said there will be no rain until I say, and then he runs off, he runs off to present day Jordan, east of the Jordan River, and God says, stay here and I will feed you. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. And so there Elijah is hiding in the dark 
that place is very raviney. It's um, lots and lots of mountains and deep, deep valleys where the water comes through. So he sat in a deep valley with the water coming through. And there aren't many animals there. There's nothing to make bread with there. And the ravens feed him. And I often wondered, why did God send a raven? Why couldn't he send a dove? There's plenty of doves in Jordan. Why couldn't he send a deer or some beautiful creature? Why a raven? But in that time, Elijah learnt to trust God in darkness. To sit in darkness and let himself be in darkness and know that God will still look after him in darkness. Ravens were famous because they wouldn't look after their young. If they were hungry, they might eat their young. And God uses them to feed Elijah. See how much God cares for Elijah. My prayer would be that through this lockdown, as it deepens and darkens again, would be that we are able to grow in faith and in trust of God. That the treasures that we won't learn in the daytime, we won't learn these secrets, these, this, this how, deep good, how deep God's goodness is. We won't learn that when everything's good. My prayer is that in this deep darkness, we would know and come to learn more and more of God's goodness in the darkness. So, just to conclude, our Isaiah reading blows open our ideas that Christians are anointed, that we are sent to show the world how good God is. And explores the idea that God is already in the world. That he is bigger than Christianity. That he is stronger than our will or strength. And that God raises up people who would be our enemies to come and help us. Even when they don't acknowledge him, he lifts them up and he gives them, takes their right hand. God is not limited by the church, but he loves the church and will use it. God is working his purpose with us or without us. And while we sit in the solitude of of a dark lockdown, may we find the riches of secret places. Amen.